in 2 Timothy chapter number 3. And we'll begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible said this, Know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. Verse number four. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. For of this sort they were, cre- they were they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lust, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobates concerning the faith. But they shall proceed no further, for their follies shall be manifest unto all men as theirs also was. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystria, which pers- what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will of godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God might be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Let's bow for a word of prayer and then you can be seated. Our precious heavenly father, Lord, as we come into your presence once again this morning, we come to the throne of grace and mercy in Jesus' name. And God, we wanna thank you for what we have heard this morning in this place. Thank you for the Sunday school hour. Thank you for all the singing. We wanna thank you for the opportunity to give in tithe and offerings this morning. And I pray now that you'll bless the reading of thy word. I ask you for liberty and vocabulary. God, help me not to say anything that would grieve the Holy Spirit in any way. But oh God, I pray that you would be glorified. May your son be magnified. And may the church be edified this morning. Save that sinner that is nearest hell and help the backslider to repent and to come home. And we'll thank Thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to draw your attention to verse number one. And I want you to notice here, the Bible said, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Now it's easy to see in verse number one, Paul's motive. As he makes this statement here, this know also. The apostle Paul never wanted the people of God to be ignorant of the word of God and the will of God in the days in which they were living. And so Paul's motive here, he's just left chapter number three. He's talked about the responsibility and the role of a man of God as a pastor. And now he wants to talk to the people of God. And his motive here is that they would not be ignorant. This also. And then we see Paul's mindset as he said that in the last days and I think that's interesting because Paul was in the last days of his life when he was writing chapter 3 and chapter 4 when he was writing this epistle and oftentimes God uses the seasons in our life to help others in the seasons in their life. And so Paul is living in his last days and in his last days he is mindful of the last days that will be 
upon this earth. And then we have Paul's message here as he said, perilous times shall come. Now, when you think about these perilous times, the, the word perilous means heavy. It means dangerous. It, it means difficult or hard to bear. And I think you would agree with me this morning that that's the days that we are living in. We're living in some dangerous times. Can I get a witness right there? We're living in some difficult days, some, some heavy times that, that are upon our nation and upon the people of God. And listen, I'm glad that the Bible uh, tells us that these days uh, are what's going to mark the last days that are here upon earth. And Paul uh, wanted them to know. And I want you to know this morning that there is no doubt that we are living in the last days, aren't we? And in this text here this morning, Paul gives some practical truths for perilous times. And I want to preach on that subject this morning on practical truths for perilous times. You see, we're living in perilous times and the question that comes to a lot of people's mind is how can we make it in these last days? How are we going to make it through these perilous times? And I want you to know that we have in this chapter this morning some practical truths for perilous times because we don't have to live like the world lives. Can I get a witness on that? We don't have to live in discouragement. We don't have to live in defeat. We're not to live in fear for God has not given given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And the same victory that God gave us before these days came is the same victory that God can give us now. Isn't that right? First Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 57 said, but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you this morning that our victory does not stand in chance. It does not stand in circumstance. It does not have anything to do with the things that we are facing and that we are going through for we're not working for victory and we're not working to victory but thank God victory was won at Calvary and in the Lord Jesus Christ we can still have victory in these last days. Amen. And Paul was a man that knew how to have victory no matter what he faced in life and so here he gives us some practical truths that will help us in these perilous times this morning. I want to say the first practical truth that I see in this text here is that we have detailed wisdom. Amen. In the first nine verses of this text uh, uh, Paul gives us very detailed wisdom that we know that man would not have within himself but that it could only come from God. You see the world is in chaos because the world does not know what's going on but Paul said this know also and he marked the last days. He gave us details in these first nine verses that lets us know the day and the hour that we're living in so we don't have to fret and we don't have to worry and we don't have to wonder but thank God we can march on in victory knowing that the details that's happening on the news and the things that's happening around the world we've already read about them and we've seen them in the word of God isn't that right? And Paul says in these first nine verses here that in these last days uh, that the, the society, the world that we're living in, that they would be people without character. Amen. Notice what he said in verse number two. He said, for men shall be lovers of their own self. Uh, meaning that men would be selfish as Brother Allen was talking about this morning. He said that they would be covetous. Not only would they be lovers of their own self, but they would be lovers, uh, uh, my friend, and have a love 
Christ uh, for the wealth and the things of this world. Isn't that the day we're living in? Materialism has just about ate this country up. And there's nothing wrong with having good things. Amen? I think it was Warren Wearsby that made this statement. He said there's nothing wrong with having the things that riches can buy as long as you don't keep it from hindering you uh, from having the things that riches cannot buy. Amen? And my friend this morning, there's nothing wrong with being blessed uh, as long as we don't forget the one who has blessed us this morning. And the Bible marks it by covetousness, a lust for wealth, lovers of themselves. He talks about boasters and that word boaster that means a wonder about the country, a vagabond. It talks about one who is a swagger and it talks about a man's attitude, proud. It means to be haughty, arrogant, disdained. In verse two, he talks about blasphemers. That means slanderous and abusive speech, especially evil speaking against God or against uh, sacred things. Uh, hey, all you've got to do is turn the television on nowadays uh, and they damn the name of God uh, and they curse the name of Jesus Christ uh, and they use hell out of context. Uh, they have no they have no appreciation for the sacred things of God. They're blasphemers. Uh, the Bible said in verse number two that they would be people without character, that they would be disobedient to parents. Uh, we're living in that time when children rise up against their parents uh, and they're not loyal to their parents uh, and they don't respect their parents. Uh, we're living in a time when young people talk to their parents any old way. Isn't that the day we're living in? Mark's the last days. Unthankful, the Bible says. I'm talking about a lack of character. It means to be thankless or to be ungrateful. Unholy. Oh, we could spend a lot of time preaching on that this morning, couldn't we? Separation is something we don't hear of in our churches anymore. And the Bible said in Romans chapter 12 and verse number one, Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. Don't let the, warm, uh, the world fashion your trend. Don't let the world fashion your, your mindset. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I'm going to tell you the only way to keep the world from conforming you is to keep your mind in the word of God and let the word of God dwell richly in your soul and it'll transform your mind, your way of thinking. Isn't that right? But we're living in unholy days. That means profane, vile, godless days. Psalms chapter one and verse number one said, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the sea of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. You know why that man is not living with that crowd in verse number one? Because his delight in verse number two is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Hey, so if you wanna be blessed, come out from the world and be a separate, saith the Lord, amen? Not the preacher, not the church, but if you live a separated life, then you can live a blessed life, amen? But there's gotta be separation from the world, but then there there has to be separation to the word of God and he'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper, amen. But a mark of the last days is a lack of character. People without a lack of character. Look at verse number three, people without a lack of conviction, amen. 
He talked about without natural affection. It's the negative form of the Greek word that has to do with affection toward parents, toward your spouse, and even toward others. Amen. Sodomy is an all-time high. People live like dogs. They don't even get married anymore. They just shack up and live together. And you know that ought to still be preached on today. Listen, it's not right to listen. You say, well, the government recognizes it. I'm gonna tell you, God does not recognize that. The Bible talks about holy man matrimony and that's one man for one woman for one lifetime and friend I'll tell you listen we ought to live, listen they ought to be some decency and without natural affection, a divorce is at an all time high, people just divorce and remarry without any concept, without any thought about it and people just condone it, I'm going to tell you it's still sin, isn't that right? And thank God there's mercy and thank God there's grace this morning but I would say to every young person in this building, you better pray about the spouse that God would have you and don't let it be your choice. Let God choose the one that he wants you to bring and if they don't believe the Bible and if they don't live by the standards of this book, listen, there's something worse than being single and that's being miserable, amen? Settling. This morning without natural affection. We're living in that time. Marriage used to mean something, didn't it? And it still means something today. I want to say truce breakers. People who refuse to make a truce. Verse three, false accusers. Accusers, that word, uh, false accusers, that phrase, uh, uh, it means, uh, Brother Danny used that word this morning, diabolical. And diabolos is that Greek word uh, that's the name for the devil, amen? Uh, it means slanderous. It means adversary, false accusers. You know, whenever we accuse somebody falsely, we're never more like the devil than when we're doing that, amen? And so we've got to be careful that we don't take assumptions and make accusations based on our feelings or based on gossip or what we heard from somebody else. A, a false accuser, that's just a mark of Satan. That's what he does. Uh, he accuses the brethren. And so we've got to be careful. Our churches are so much in a mess today uh, because of this very thing uh, that's in this world uh, and now it's crept into our churches. Uh, hey, we're living in a time uh, when even politically uh, there are false accusers. Uh, uh, today, listen, we hear so much uh, and it's a mark of the last day. People without character, people without conviction. Incontinent means without power. Having no power over oneself carries the idea of being without command over your own passions. Fierce, untamed, savage, wild is what that word means. These are people without convictions, despisers of those that are good. There are people today that if you try to do good, they hate you for it. They don't like the preaching. The, uh, listen, the, the world doesn't, they've never liked uh, uh, the word of God. They've never liked the people of God. Do you know why? Because we're the salt of the earth, amen? And salt will irritate. Salt can puri- purify and salt can even heal and it can preserve, uh, but it can also cause an irritation. And I'm gonna tell you, that's what a church in these last days, uh, that's what Christians are in these last days. Uh, we're an irritation to society. But I'm gonna tell you, friend, uh, it's a mark of people 
people without conviction. I still believe we ought to be people of conviction. Can we get a witness on that? I'm telling you, we ought to not apologize about the principles and the precepts of this book. We ought to not, listen, lower our standards and our beliefs. When God says it, that settles it, amen? And it doesn't matter what society says. It doesn't matter what the government says. It doesn't matter what's popular and what's unpopular when it's plain. And I want to stop and say this. People say, well, I've never been convicted about that. You don't have to be convicted about something you've already been commanded, amen? I'm telling you, when I read about it in this book, I don't have to even pray about it. I'm telling you, but we're living in that time when people, my friend, they're despisers of those that are good. People without conviction. Traitors. Today, society, a lack of loyalty and commitment on every level. Isn't that right? In our countries, in our country today, politicians have sold us out. Is that right? One of the worst statements ever made in our churches was when preachers started saying we're not gonna get political in the pulpit. Because when preachers quit getting political in the pulpit, guess what? People got silent in the pews. And our voice has died in this country. Men of God used to lead the way. You know why? Because they were men of truth and they stood for what was right. And loyalty is at an all-time low in our nation. Politicians have sold us out. Can I say this? Even in our membership today, there's not a lot of longevity and loyalty when it comes to church membership. You know why? Because now if people don't like what they hear, they'll just pull up and go down the road and they'll just join another church. Church. Hey, can I tell you something? It used to not be that way because the church down the road was preaching the same thing, but now we're living in a time. Listen, when it's not like that, I'm talking about people without conviction. Heady means to fall forward or he- to fall headlong. It, it's a rash of, rec- of reckless behavior. High-minded means to listen to think better of yourself than other people. You know, you can tell a lot by what other people think about others, by what they think about themselves. Amen, y'all still with me this morning? The elevation of personality, the elevation of status has ruined a lot of places. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. We all got dug out of the same pit, y'all with me? I'm telling you, it doesn't matter if you're, if, you, if you're a banker or a beggar. It doesn't matter if you live in a mansion or if you live in a shack by the side of the road. It doesn't make one less or doesn't make another one more. And it doesn't make one more spiritual because they're poor. And it doesn't make someone unspiritual because God's blessed them and they're rich. The truth of the matter is that we're just sinners saved by the grace of God. We're all living in a body of clay and we all need him. Isn't that right this morning? And we ought to be reminded of that of what brother Danny was teaching about this morning I need to be reminded of that you need to be reminded of that we don't need to be high minded amen the Bible says when we compare ourselves amongst ourselves we're not wise you can always find somebody that makes you feel better about yourself but you can always find somebody that make you feel worse about yourself people without conviction people without character people without conscience Verse number six says, 
for of this sword are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sin and led away with divers lust. This being that uh, these men, they creep in and they lead away captive silly women. That's talking about the simplicity, simple women that they lead them in. And it's an illustration of the last days marking that, that there would be people that would be so simple-minded. Why? Because they do not know the truth that they're literally a prisoner of war is what it means. Uh, it means to be helpless. Uh, it means to easily be led astray. And isn't it amazing how people today are so easily led astray? I mean, they can have the truth preached to them a lifetime and sometimes they'll just walk away, Brother Laddie, from everything like as if it never meant anything to them. People without a conscience, they just go out. They throw their family away. They throw their children away. They throw the years of marriage away. They throw their church away. They throw all their principles away. People without a conscience. I'm gonna tell you, if you got your conscience this morning, if you're in your right mind, if you can discern right from wrong, don't let the world dilute that this morning. You ought to thank God for a sound mind. You ought to thank God for what you know. Don't live your life by the gray line. You live where it's either black or it's white and make no apology about it. Live by the principles of this book and have a conscience in these last days talking about detailed witness and then he talks about in verse 7 ever learning never able to come to the knowledge of the truth that's this crowd he talks about Janus and Jambres they withstood Moses these were Egyptian magicians that stood against Moses he says so do these also resist the truth men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith you cannot win a reprobate begins with a sinful act. A sinful act leads to a perverted lifestyle. And then a perverted lifestyle leads to a reprobate mind. Romans chapter one. And this morning, we have to be careful the day that we're living in because we're dealing with men who have reprobate minds. Verse number nine says, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifested unto all men, and there's also, as theirs also was. And so Paul gives here a practical truth for perilous times. He gives detailed wisdom. Then secondly, we notice not only do we have detailed wisdom, but we have a delightful witness. Because Paul says in verse number four, he gives his testimony. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience. Paul had a testimony. And that testimony in verse 10 is an encouragement. Paul is a witness to, uh, to Timothy. He's a witness to Titus uh, in perilous times. Uh, Paul said, I want you to know, just look at my life. Uh, he said, you know my manner of life. You know my purpose. You know my faith. You know my long suffering. You know my charity. He said, you know my patience. Uh, uh, Paul said, listen, we may be living in some difficult days, Timothy. We may be living in some difficult days, Titus, uh, but you, there is still a godly example. There is still somebody you can look at. And I want you to encourage you, look around. Uh, every Everybody hasn't went the way of the world. Everybody hasn't changed course. Everybody hasn't jumped ship. It's so easy to look at this one and look at that one that's went a different way. I'm gonna tell you, get your eyes off of them and put your eyes on those that have been faithful, those that have been fervent, those that are still steady, those that are still staying strong. Every time you feel tempted to go another way, you look at those that still have a good testimony, those that have not dipped their colors. Paul said, 
said, I'm still an example before you young men. I'm glad that in these days, we still have some good examples. We still have some good testimonies. Thank God there is a delightful witness. I praise God for those that have stayed with the stuff down through the years. I see Paul's testimony, Paul's trials. Notice he said in verse 11, persecution, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch and Inconium and Lystria, which what persecutions I endured. Paul gives his testimony, but Paul talks about his trials. He names the places of his trials. He names the plurality of his trials. But Paul talks about the persistence in his trials. He said, I endured all these things. Thank God for people who have endured trials. Don't you thank God for those that in spite of what they've went through, they've kept on keeping on. That's a delightful witness. And you may be here this morning and say, preacher, I'm going through some trials. Well, I'll tell you, you can make it through. You just put one step in front of the other. There is grace for the race. God will help you. He'll give you strength for the journey. But listen, you don't have to burn out. You don't have to sell out. You can press on. He'll help you. You can be a delightful witness. I see Paul's testimony. I see Paul's trials. But then I see Paul's triumph in verse number 11. Notice what he said in the latter part of that verse. He said, but out of them all, the Lord delivered me. You say, preacher, how am I gonna make it through the trial I'm going through the same way Paul made it through? I don't care which trial it is. I don't care how deep the trial is. Paul said, but out of them all, amen. He said, out of every trial I've been through, out of every trouble I face, out of every valley I've had to walk through, not some of them, not most of them, but Paul said all of them. He said through every single one of them. He said, you know what happened every time? He said, when I couldn't, he could. When I wouldn't, he would. And when I couldn't find my way, and when it looked like there was no way, and when my back was against the wall, I thank God he delivered me from them all. Hallelujah. Woo, praise God. I'm gonna tell you, you look back through your life. You see the problems you face. You see the troubles you went through. Can't you raise your hand this morning and say the only reason you're still here is because out of them all, whether they were financial, whether they were physical, no matter what they were, but through it all, he led us through and he delivered us. Hallelujah, praise God. Woo, I'm telling you, uh, uh, Brother Laddie, that just helps me uh, to know uh, that the God that saw me through then, uh, he can see me through the now, and he can see me through my tomorrows. Uh, he will see us through, hallelujah. We will triumph in him, praise God. I see Paul's triumph. I see Paul's truth. Uh, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus, we shall suffer persecution. Don't try to be popular. Just try to be a witness. Try to be a light. If you're living, trying to live for God and trying to please everybody, I'm gonna tell you, you can't do that. But if you'll strive just to please him 
I'm not talking about trying to stir up nothing. I'm just talking about if you live for God, you're gonna suffer some persecution. You're gonna experience some on the job. You're gonna experience some in society. You may even experience some in the church. But you don't have to quit and you don't have to give up. You just gotta keep marching on in spite of what we go through. Don't bellyache, don't whine, don't feel sorry for yourself. I'm telling you, God's been better to us than what any of us deserve. He's done far more than any of us ever expected. And we just have to raise our hand and say thank you Lord you'll help me you'll give me the grace I owe it all to him don't you I don't deserve nothing but he sure has been good to us hallelujah Paul in this text here gives a delightful witness I see Paul's truth in this text as he said all that will live godly will suffer persecution why is that look at verse number 13 because evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse deceiving and being deceived so Paul gives a detailed witness he gives or a detailed wisdom he gives a delightful witness and then he closes here gives another practical truth he says we have a detailed wisdom we have a delightful witness, but thank God we have a divine word this morning. When you get to verse number 14, you say, preacher, how are we going to make it through these days? We have detailed wisdom. We have delightful witnesses. We're not in this by ourselves. Thank God we have a divine word. Paul, in this verse, he talks about the word of God throughout the rest of this chapter. He talks about the practice of this divine word. He said, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. I just want to stop here a minute and make this statement. All this newfound religion, modernism, formalism, liberalism, contemporary, all this stuff that's come along today, by the grace of God, it has not shaken me and it ought to not shake you this morning. You say, preacher, what are we gonna do? We're just gonna continue in the things that we've learned and been assured of. I'm gonna tell you, if it was right 30 years ago, it's still right today, amen? I don't care what, listen, I don't care what doctors say. I don't care what, I'm talking about Dr. Ballstopper, amen? I don't care what theologians say. I don't care what colleges say. I don't care what camps say. I don't care what any a contemporary movement says. If it was right then, it is still right today. God's not changed his mind about it. What you and I need to do, we just need to continue in the things that we've been learned and been assured of knowing of whom we have learned them. I think about the preachers. Think about the preachers that have preached to you. Look at their life. Not these Johnny come lately's. Not these ones that have folded up and sold out and went a different way. You, I'm talking about men of God that stood tall and stood strong. They preached this King James Bible and they lived a holy life and, and they, they lived a life of prayer. And you look at, look at knowing of whom thou hast learned them. I think about men that have compromised. And when people compromise, they have to have a way out. They always have to make statements like this. Well, I, I used to do this, but, but I've learned better. Oh, I used to go to one of them churches. But things, those big statements like, we're not, we're not living in the same day. This is not the 1960s. I know that. I wasn't even breathing in the 60s. But the God I serve was. 
and the God of the 60s is the God of 2021. Amen. He was sovereign then and he's sovereign now. He saved people then and he saves people now. He filled people with the Spirit then and he still fills them with the Spirit now. He's got the same book in 2021 that he had in 1961. He still believes the same thing today that he believed then. Thank God for the Lester Roloffs and the, thank God for the Oliver B. Greens and the Harold B. Seidlers and the Jane Cruptons and the, listen, the Milford Biddles and the brother Sammy Allen and the Stennett Baloos and those that down through the years they have preached the word of God and we know whom we've learned. Hey friend, I'm not, listen, I'm not getting on the wagon. I'm not getting on the train that everybody else is on. I found a good way. I found a blessed way. It's the old time way. It worked then. It'll still work right now. It's God's way. It's a holy way. It's a right way. It's a blessed way. Hallelujah. Amen. And we just need to practice this divine word, the power of the divine word. Notice verse number 15. Every parent ought to underline that verse. And that from a child, thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. I want to ask your parents something this morning. Does your children know the Holy Scriptures? Well, I take them to church and they got, they got one of them Bibles off the table back there. It's not good enough. Toting it and coming to church ain't good enough. Are you putting the word of God in them? If it's not in you, it won't be in them. What are you pouring into your children? Do you pour Hollywood into your children? Are you pouring the things of this world, humanism in your children? You want your children to live for God. You want them to love God. They'll never live for God until they love God. But if you want them to love God, I'll tell you what to do. Take the time every evening. It doesn't matter if they're five years old or 15 years old. Take enough time to pour the word of God in them. Help them to memorize scripture. Teach them what the Bible says. Take them through the Bible. Listen, invest. I'd rather you, listen, teach your children the word of God as them have a $300 pair of Nikes or have a cell phone. Hey, don't let the world babysit them. Don't let the world pour their, uh, their uh, listen, their belief system into them. You take the word of God uh, and that from a child, uh, if they'll know the holy scriptures, uh, the Bible said it'll make them wise uh, unto salvation, amen. If you want them to get saved, uh, you've got to do more than just take them to a good church. Uh, you've got to put the word of God in them uh, and then when the man of God preaches, uh, there's something that it'll connect with uh, and the Holy Ghost will bring back to mind uh, uh, what you have poured in uh, and you can win your children. Amen. That's the power of his divine word. The perfection of it. All scripture, and I still believe this, don't you? Liberals do not have a problem with preservation. They have a problem with inspiration. But the Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. All of it. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The ESV is the most popular version amongst all the perverted versions today. And my, I don't understand why, man. Well, I do. It's a money thing. They, wanna, they, they, want to, they don't want to stick with this King James Bible. And they want to attack it. If I didn't believe this Bible is the word of God, I'd quit preaching right now. I mean that. I would quit right now. And you got people come along, they say, well, I, you know, I'm a Greek theologian and I've studied Greek and I've studied Hebrew. But, but listen, we don't speak Greek and Hebrew. We speak English, don't we? 
And the same God that inspired his word preserved his word. And if God is big enough to give a word without mistakes through inspiration, don't you think God is big enough to give us the word without mistakes through preservation? I'm telling you, this Bible's perfect this morning. It's inerrant, it's infallible, it's indestructible, it's indisputable, it's unadulterated. I believe every jot, every tittle, every principle, every precept, every story, every illustration, don't you? I believe Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. I believe the Old Testament, I believe the New Testament. I believe every prophecy, don't you? I thank God for my Bible, don't you? I thank God for a book. I thank God that's perfect. And it reads the same every day. It does it doesn't matter where I'm at, and it doesn't matter where this book, uh, this world is at, but the Word of God is perfect, uh, and it's pure, and I thank God for the divine Word this morning. And then the purpose that the man of God, not just preachers, but that the man of God may be perfect, fully mature, thoroughly furnished. You know, the NIV says thoroughly. But you can be thorough. That's on man's part. But the Bible says, throughly furnished. That's a work of God. That's a work of grace. That's a work of this book, throughly furnished unto all good works. I want to encourage you this morning as we stand. I want to encourage you this morning. I feel in my soul, I was praying this morning. I don't know why, and I don't know who I'm talking to when I make this statement. I want you to hear me. I was praying this morning and when God spoke to my heart and said, I want you to preach this. This is what God spoke to my heart about. There's somebody here this morning. You don't have to come to me. You don't have to talk to me about it. But there's somebody here this morning. Friend, you're sitting on the fence. And I don't know if that means you're thinking about getting out of church. I don't know if that means you're thinking about leaving an old-fashioned church and going somewhere where there's not so many demands. It's easier. But I was praying this morning, the Lord said, preach this. There's somebody sitting on the fence. You backslid in your heart. Now look at me this morning. I want to tell you something. If you never hear another thing, I say, if that's you, you never hear another word I say. I love you enough this morning. I want you to hear this. You don't do something about it this morning. You're going to be in real trouble. If you're saved and you get out of the will of God and you go your own way, I promise you on the authority of this book this morning, your life will not get better. It will only get worse. You say, Brother Gravity, you're trying to scare me. No, I'm trying to warn you. But I promise you if I could scare you, you ought to be scared. You ought to be. I'm going to tell you, friend, I know I'm saved. I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. But I'm going to tell you, I fear God this morning. And I'll tell you what I fear, but Daddy, I, I won't, by the grace of God, I hadn't always done right. But I do want to finish right. I want to just finish. I want to finish right, don't you? John, I don't want to get out of the will of God and I've seen far better Christians than me get out of God's will. And I know as sure as I'm standing on this platform this morning, the Holy Ghost spoke to me this morning in prayer, said, you preach that message 
Because there's somebody sitting on the fence. 